Welcome to Take It EV, episode six. I am back. Thanks for uh, putting up w- without me. That's all right. I think at this point I'm more of a, a frequent guest than a co-host, but uh, either way, I'm glad you haven't let my absence stop you from doing more episodes. Well, I, I, I do have an issue with punctuality. I have to admit. <laughs> <laughs> So funny enough, uh, around the time that you were ranting about hybrids in episode four, which yeah. was a great rant, by the way, I was actually buying a hybrid. Well, a plug-in one anyway. I'm going to tell you about that in a little bit. But uh, first, I think you've got some follow-up to do, haven't you? Yeah. So um, when I was talking to Gavin, A, I was super tired. Imagine he's in New Zealand. I'm in London, or New London anyway, in, in England. So I, I've been recording at 9 p.m. after a very busy day. And he was just up and, uh, you know, I was his first engagement of the day. So he was, you know, young and uh, shining and I was tired and just better. Um, so I've made a few mistakes, apart from a slurry voice, which is always the uh, always the, the case with me. I, I speak too fast. I said something about uh, a trip to Edinburgh, which apparently was 700 miles. And some people have corrected me that uh, from Tunbridge to, to Edinburgh is about 400-ish miles. Apologies for that. Uh, it still takes an awful long time to drive, even in the regular car. So that doesn't matter. That's pretty much the uh, all the follow-up I have. Yeah, I think that's still beyond the range of uh, any pure EV, isn't it? So that's the main thing. I think the Tesla Roadster is the new one. Is supposed to be close to that. If you have probably if you if you hypermile it, uh, but good luck sitting in a car for you know ten hours without uh, having a break. That uh, that does remind me of my my first trip in my leaf, but it's a story for another time. But you did stop, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's what I mean. Like you, you know, with uh, it's supposed to have a six six hundred mile range. So if you if you hyper hypermile it, <clears throat> I think seven hundred is achievable. Okay, uh, but that would take an awful long time. Getting like a, tw- a twenty five thousand dollar car. Um, uh, that's uh, that's something we could we could do, but it's probably if we really work really hard, I think maybe we could do that in three years. There's there's not many EVs right now that can do that at all, uh, regardless of, of how you drive. Uh, most of the uh, the ones in my price range, at least, are uh, uh, significantly smaller range and in fact that's um that sort of leads nicely into to my story so we we have two cars we bought the uh the, the nissan leaf a few years ago now on the basis it would be our second car so we can do all our local journeys with a, with a pure ev but then we still had a a dirty diesel for the longer journeys and for uh, those times we need a bigger car as well in fact it was a, a seven seater say a ford s-max we actually bought it new, but uh, eight and a half years ago, so it was starting to get a bit old as well, um, and never felt that comfortable about it. In fact, after we got the Leaf, it, it felt like um, felt like a bit of an animal uh, driving it. It was uh, def- definitely a big step back, especially when we had to take it into to a petrol station. So, looking forward to the day we could replace it. And beginning of this year, realised that that time was coming. It was starting to develop those sort of problems that cars of a certain age start to get. I thought rather than throwing more money at keeping that going just a bit longer, we'd see what else we could do. So we had a look around at the current pure EV scene. The uh, the new Leaf was out, the one that you test drove, you, you mentioned in a, in a previous episode, the, the 40 kilowatt hour Leaf. Looked promising, had a much bigger range, um, but they're not big enough for our needs. Uh, in fact, when we get the whole family in, uh, in our current leaf, and of course the new one's about the same size. Um, we, we're just about squeeze in. It's already getting a bit uncomfortable. Start to add any extra uh, luggage, and you know all bets are off. So, so we need to something with with extra size and extra range, uh, preferably even greater than the you know, the new leaf range. So we did look at the the um, Hyundai Ionic, which I know you're quite uh, bullish on. Um, that's that's promising. That is a bit bigger, but not that much bigger. 
and it does have a higher range, but not that much higher. I mean, they claim 174 miles, and I, I know you say that you can probably push it even more than that if you drive very economically, which is really impressive given it's only a 28 kilowatt hour battery. Um, but still, it's not quite enough to to meet our needs on both the size and the range front. Uh, and it looks like, well, there's been the promise of a bigger battery version coming for a while, but it's still not here yet. So that's one to keep an eye on for the future, perhaps. So um, other than going for the, the really high-end um, cars like uh, some of the, the bigger Teslas, our only options seem to be a, uh, a plug-in hybrid. And the, the obvious option was the, the Mitsubishi Outlander PHEV or FEV. Never quite sure if anyone actually pronounces it that way. And if they do, does that make me a feather now? I don't know, but that's a question for another time. So we've got the, we've got the Outlander. Overall, I'm, I'm happy with it. Don't regret the choice, but have learned a few things now that I'm an owner that, um, that I, I can have a bit of a rant about. Go on, go on. Well, it's, it's, a, it's better than, than a diesel, let's be honest. I know it's, I've been maybe slightly too negative about <laughs> hybrids in one of, my, one of the previous episodes, but I was trying to make a point, um, you know, about the technology being outdated, not about uh, the people. But yeah, please, because I've never test-driven, actually, um, uh, Outlander. So um, tell, us what, tell us what you think. So actually, starting with the test drive, uh, I did take it for a test drive, uh, obviously before we bought it. It'd be a bit silly to take it for a test drive afterwards, but uh, there you go. And the, the first thing that struck me was, even though it's a much bigger car, the, the the feel of it, especially pulling away with that initial torque, was so similar to the the Leaf that I was actually like blown away all over again. So that that first experience when you first get in a car like the Leaf and you experience that initial torque, you think, "Wow, this is so much different to what I've been used to." And I was expecting something so much more sluggish from a car that size, but it was about the same, which was actually really nice, really surprising. It's the uh, it's the famous uh, EV grin that yeah. everyone's talking about. Exactly, exactly. But I've been an owner of an EV for over two years now, so to experience it again was was quite interesting. Uh, and to continue some of the, the the positive things about the car before I get into the to the actual rant, and they, these are things specifically to. Um, uh, to counter some of your points from your from your rant, <laughs> to to say why this is a little bit different. So first of all, it sports fast charging. So you know most plugins uh, don't, but this one does. I think it's one of the one of the few, or perhaps the only one that does. So that that can be useful. Um, and it has a number of different modes to to say whether you want it to be in uh, pure EV mode, so you can actually drive it as a pure electric car. Um, it has uh, something called save mode which you use particularly if you're driving on a motorway and uh, you want it to be charging the, the battery uh, with regenerative braking, but uh, not actually using the the electric motor as part of the uh, the driving. So running on pure petrol for driving, but still charging the, um, uh, the electric motor. They, they, uh, they missed the mark of, they should have, they should have uh, called it self-charging hybrid mode. Well, it does have a charging mode as well. Uh, which I suppose is is that, and this is one of the things that I think you mentioned in your in your rant that this this is how um, hybrids should work, that the the electric the, the petrol engine should just be there for charging the uh, the the electric uh, battery. Um, it's not quite that, um, but it will charge the, uh, the the battery from the petrol engine even if you're not running, if you're stopped. Obviously, the the engine will be running, but you're not driving. Uh, and you can use it while you're driving. Again, perhaps we're on a motorway um, and you just want to top up the battery. And obviously it's going to be less efficient to do that than to just drive on, on petrol. Uh, but not significantly so. So it is something you can do from time to time. So so that's a nice feature as well. So it's got those three modes. Now the rent starts. It turns out none of those modes are quite what they seem. First of all, the pure EV mode. Every dealer that I spoke to said, yeah, pure EV. Actually, when you get in and actually start driving, you realize it's not pure EV, it's, EV, it's more EV priority. So it will use the, the electric motor as much as it can, but then it will still use the petrol motor to, to augment it uh, just less than, than it would otherwise. So it's 
not not exactly what you want from a from an EV mode. If you want EV, then you want EV. So a bit disappointed about that. Still, it's nice to have it there. The save mode, well, as far as I can tell, it does actually do what it advertises to do, to not use the electric motor, uh, just the, 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 the petrol engine, but to be recharging the battery from regenerative braking. What I found was, though, it actually doesn't charge very much. So I don't know whether this is the case with with all hybrids, that what you actually get back from the regenerative braking is, is very little. But it just seems to be a lot less than I've noticed from the regenerative braking on the leaf. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the reason for that is. but Well, I think it's the, the same reason why it's slower to charge on the rapid charger. It's just a smaller battery, so smaller voltage, voltages. Um, yeah. So that was a bit disappointing as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but it, nonetheless, it is useful. And the, the charge mode, um, well, that, that one does seem to work as advertised, except that the, the dealers told me that it was actually more, um, at least as efficient to, to use that than to run on petrol. But a little bit of searching up afterwards uh, disabused me of that, uh, <laughs> of that notion. Uh, so there is a cost associated with that. Um, and it turns out that the main reason that the mode exists is to make up for another shortcoming, which is that because it has a smaller petrol engine, I think it's a two-litre engine, which for a car this size is a little bit underpowered, um, it can struggle a bit on pure petrol, particularly going up hills. So they, they recommend that if you're about to go up a big hill and you don't have any battery, uh, it's worth stopping for a while, using the charge mode to, to charge up the battery, and then use the uh, the the hybrid drivetrain to, to actually power you up the hill. So that actually seems more of a, uh, a shortcoming than a, than a feature when you think of it that way. Yeah, interesting, because uh, you would think a car this size would be designed to actually go up a steep hill. It's supposed to be SUV, right? Well, exactly. And when it when you've got the, the electric uh, motor and the petrol engine working together, it does quite nicely. And it is uh, four-wheel drive. There, so... You get um, you get quite a lot of power when when they're working together, which is what you would want. But because the the battery is so small, it, it's on a longer journey, you're going to run out very quickly. And because the save mode doesn't work as well as you would hope, um, that's more often the case than than you would like. And I, I experienced that right on the first day. Ended up going up quite a steep hill. The battery was dead, and it struggled. I mean, it, it got us there. But it does struggle, which is not really what you want on on a car at, at that level. Uh, I presume it's a, a automatic. Sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. But can you still do? You know, most automatics have an ability to control the the gears manually still. Uh, so can you can you just like shift it shift it down and you know let it kind of get more grunt? It is automatic. Um, I'm not off the top of my head, aware of the ability to put it into specific gear ratios. I uh, don't remember anything on, on the, the... The stick is very similar to the the one in, in the Leaf, actually. So it's it's just a drive-by-wire selector exactly. rather than um, a, a manual... Um, it's going to say gear stick, but you know what I mean. Um, so I don't know the answer to that. And I'm not sure that would help. I mean, it is actually... It is working... <laughs> And it, it is putting itself effective, effectively at a lower ratio to get up the hill because it needs to. It's the fact that it needs to that's, that's the problem, I think. It's not a showstopper. None of the showstoppers. I'm still happy with it overall. But it's just a few things that weren't quite as I'd expected beforehand uh, when going in. A um, couple other things which are not really specific to um, to this car, but maybe they're slightly worse. So... One thing that uh, annoys me about the Leaf, and actually every EV that I have tried, which is not many, but they all seem to have this this same shortcoming, which is that to make full use of it, you really want that regenerative braking to to be working all the time. But you have to specifically put it into that mode every time you start driving. So it's very easy to forget, and you're just not getting, and particularly on the Leaf where it is actually more effective, you're not getting that benefit back, which you're getting almost for free. It's just being thrown away because you have to specifically select this mode. There's a way to make it the default. 
So the, the Outlander takes it up a level because not only do you have to put it into drive and then do a, a different motion to put it into regenerative braking mode, there's actually five regenerative braking modes, um, B1 to B5, and it puts it into B3 by default. You then got paddles behind the steering wheel to to move the the mode up and down. So you then have to pull the left paddle up twice to put it into B5, which is what I always want. <laughs> which means every time I get into the car, I've got to put it into drive, put it into um, regenerative braking mode, which is B3, and then use the paddles twice to put it into B5. It's actually more fiddly than a than a manual car at this point. And it's, again, it's very easy to forget. So I'll often have driven some distance and realized I've not been making use of uh, regenerative braking. And yet even at B5, it's actually not that effective. So I don't even know why the, the lower um, the, the lower modes are even there. Um, personally, I don't really notice much difference when using the regenerative braking mode or not. I think just because I got used to it, because it's what I always use. But I know, I know some people when they first uh, drive an EV, they're a bit put off by... Um, how it doesn't coast when you're on regenerative braking mode. Uh, so I, I can sort of understand why it's not the the default when you first get in, but I think it should always be um, you should always be able to make it the default. I think, or at least make it easier to to get into that mode. I don't know. Don't know what you think about that. Well, um, most of the petrol cars manuals, as soon as you take your foot off the uh, accelerator, it will just slow down uh, unless you're going down the hill. Um, automatics, it kind of depends on the car, but in my experience, similar thing. It will just, it will try to keep the, um, speed initially. And then if you don't do anything, it will just taper off, uh, and you'll, you know, it will start slowing down. It's a safety feature, basically. Um, the, um, Teslas have, uh, quite a, a big amount of re- regenerative braking, or at least the ones that I drove Admittedly, that was a couple of years ago, and I'm sure things have changed. Um, and that was a Model S, so I don't, I have, I don't have experience with Model Three or X. Um, the new Nissan Leaf has a one-pedal driving mode, which I actually loved. And they tell you specifically not to engage it in like urban scenarios, but I actually did find it more intuitive. Maybe because I've, I've been used to B mode on the, which is the higher higher regenerative braking mode on the on our leaves on the old generation leaves um hyundai ionic had a similar arrangement um where it had paddles behind the steering wheel and it also had uh, three or four modes like a you know leisure leisurely mode uh sports mode and general mode and whatever which would have they would have different levels of acceleration and deceleration um I'm not sure if it had any uh, kind of one-pedal driving mode. Um, but generally, cars that have some sort of a one-pedal driving mode, which would be Tesla or the new Leaf, they do have a pretty aggressive regenerative braking. But I think the the, the, the whole, the whole you know, the downfall or sh- not downfall, but the shortfall of the um, of hybrids is that, or PHEVs is that um, they generally have a very small battery. Um and the sizes haven't actually gotten bigger uh, in the last year or so. You would expect them to actually do get bigger, but it, they just don't seem to be um, they, they don't seem to be big. So you know, just from a pure sort of physical physics point of view, um, in order to charge a battery quickly, um, you need you need more cells, and cells are usually um, distributed in little um bundles or you know bunches and the uh and the the voltage and amperage that uh generator can generate um will have to kind of match the um the battery pack size so you can't you can't really flood the battery with electricity when you're going down the hill so there there has to be a limit basically um and i'm sure that's why the you know you don't see as aggressive uh, regenerative braking as you would on a leaf say and uh likewise if you have a something like like a tesla with a even seventy-five kilowatt-hour battery pack that has a you know bigger potential for electricity to go back in because if you if you go down the hill um, in a, in uh, in an electric car the the generator can actually generate quite a quite a bit of power 
and you know you have to you have to kind of flock it somewhere um, so i think that's the, that's the reason behind it it's the same reason like you mentioned um outlander specifically has the um, rapid charger port but it's unable to actually charge properly rapidly um you know the owners have often quite often have been blocking the chargers uh, charging the uh, the outlanders for half an hour or longer uh, and it's got a tiny battery and it uh, used to be a big sticking point for um uh, like plenty of people got angry because you know they wanted to charge their pure evs and um when you when you turned up at the charger the um it was blocked by uh by outlander plugged into chadamo uh, which would have been much better off if you if you're there for half an hour or longer you you would have been much better off plugging it into regular seven kilowatt hour outlet. I think the 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 reason uh, PHEV owners have done that is because they the, the cars weren't sold with a cable, so you couldn't plug it in, basically. Whereas the uh, the rapid chargers got already <clears throat> the cable attached, so you can just you know plug it in without having to uh, to carry your own cable. But I'm not sure what the, at least that's the uh, that's the experience that I've heard about. I'm not sure what is the uh, the truth these days because the uh, you bought your car's new right yes um it's a 2018 model so about just under a year old when we bought it did you get a cable type 2 cable with it uh, i did yes so that wasn't the problem and i'll get onto the battery and charging in a moment um just want to go back to what you were saying about the uh the new leaf with the um uh the what's it called the uh, one pedal drive one, one pedal drive mode because uh, I've since since you had a test drive, I've had a chance to turn over a new leaf as well, and I have to say uh, I really love that feature as well. It took uh, a couple of minutes to get used to it, a little bit unnatural to begin with, but very quickly, especially if you've been driving a leaf with uh, the B mode already, uh, it just feels very natural. And uh, yeah, I don't know why you would want to do it any other way um, after and, you've been driving for a while. And there is a setting in the in the settings that actually allows you to enable it permanently. So every time you you turn on the car, by default it will turn it off um, between the um, <clears throat> the drives, but you can turn it back on. So it will just it will be a default, which is like the perfect thing. Exactly. Yes, and that that was really my my main rant. Not that the modes exist, um, and especially when you do have like different driving styles, you want a different mode for a different style. But not being able to select the default and the default not being the most economical is the thing that, that really gets me. Because the whole point of, for most people of having an electric car is to be more econ- economical. So that ran well, over. <laughs> I, well, I would argue that the uh, the whole point of PHEVs having the electric motor especially is for them to be more economical and, you know, and uh, to lower the, the average emission uh, so that they can sell them, basically. Because the uh, that's that's the reason they walked in um, the plug and the uh, and and the hybrid um, thing. Um, interesting, interesting. I... Yeah. So the battery. So um, yes, it has a smaller battery. I hadn't really made the connection before with because realize that the size of the battery because actually it's not a single thing; it's a number of cells. And as you say, the more cells you have, the faster you can charge them because you're effectively charging in parallel. So I appreciated that from a um, normal charging perspective, but for some reason I had made the connection with the regenerative braking charging. But actually, obviously, it's, it's basically the same thing. So that does make sense. Um, what you were saying about uh, fast charging, um, it does make a big difference because for all the same reasons, charging with your um you know uh, domestic uh, charging point uh, even if you have the um seven kilowatt hour one um it still takes a long time like many hours so if you can fully charge it in half an hour that's that's still a win for all the same reasons that that's a win for uh for any electric vehicle and also you know you shouldn't do it all the time um i have another story about charging stations which uh, maybe we'll get onto but Going back to the battery, so it is bigger than most, certainly most hybrids, and I think bigger than most plug-in hybrids even. Um, and they say that you should get about thirty miles on pure EV range. And you know, of course, we know that the claimed figures are, um, you know, always about what thirty percent, forty percent higher than you actually get on the roads. 
So I wasn't expecting 30 miles. But so one of the things that we use our car for is for the school run. School is about five miles away. So it's a 10 mile round trip. But we're usually out of battery before we get back. So on those conditions, we have less than 10 mile range. So it's better than a normal hybrid, but it's uh, still a bit disappointing. And the worst part is we're not even using um, pure EV mode, partly because there is no pure EV mode, only EV priority, but we're not even using that. We're just using the normal, um, well, however it likes to distribute it. It's mostly low speed, so I'd imagine it's mostly EV, but we could definitely see the, the petrol engine kicking in. So it's not even just pure EV, and we've got less than 10 miles range. So that's probably the, the most disappointing aspect about the car. Now, to be fair, the terrain around here is um, is not the best for getting the most efficient um, use of your your electric vehicle. Uh, there's lots of hills. They're not really steep hills, but they're, they're definitely there. And lots of very tight bends uh, and lots of traffic. So all factors that will really reduce your range. But still, I had expected to to get a lot more out of uh, out of this. So, I think that's about my the end of my rent <laughs> um, for now. It, it, inter- interesting, because the um, I think so. When I got my leave, the um, electricity chargers in in the UK, which are the the chargers on the motorway stations, um, rapid chargers or or fast chargers, as some people call them. Uh, or was it, was it quick chargers? There's so many different names. I call them rapid chargers because they're um, they're level four or whatever. Um, the um, they used to be free, and there was quite a lot of uh, Outlander drivers because obviously they you know there was there was the only car with the um, chatter mode plug that would stop um, every whatever ten miles and plug it in, and they were trying to do free journeys that way uh, on pure electric mode. Um, and um, and when I talked to them, the few of them that weren't very you know aggressive, um, uh, they they would always claim that um, that this car is is a, essentially an EV, um, which I was I was always dubious about because you know why would you buy a hybrid if you uh, if you want an EV, but the claim was always that oh I can do twenty odd miles on this and the uh, and it can drive in a pure EV mode, which from what you're saying sounds like almost truth basically. Uh, you know, with asterisks, basically. <laughs> Lots of asterisks. Like I say, overall, I don't regret getting it because I still don't have a better option. There are uh, bigger cars with bigger ranges being promised to come out, but it's still not clear when they're coming out. And I think the the best option right now, possibly, more asterisks, may well be the, the Tesla Model Y because I think that may actually uh, start being available in reasonable numbers about the time that my uh, two-year PCP on the Outlander uh, is up and I'll be, I'll be ready to go back in the market. So I deliberately chose a short period of time because I knew the market was moving quickly and it's just a matter of time before we get a better option. So this is really just a timey over. Interesting. Uh, and I think so, it's, uh, it's doing that job. Yeah, uh, the, yeah um, the the... The terrible, like the state of the market currently, is is really horrible. I um, I'm I'm really disappointed. I've uh, I've made an observation in one of the uh, the previous episodes, and uh, since a couple of other people, including Robert Llewellyn and and some other people on Twitter, have kind of um, made the same points as I have, um, and so I, I'm I'm I think I'm I'm correct in thinking that um, the car manufacturers are not very eager to move on to EV. Uh, or pure EV production, they still have, like I I said on one of the previous episodes, they've invested you know sometimes billions into the um, the uh, the drivetrains, and they they just have to keep on churning them out. And also from a business perspective, they take the least path the path of, path of the least resistance. So unless regulators force them to do it, they won't uh, you know switch to pure EVs. Um, it's just they do have the technology. It's just cheaper for them to develop a, a, a PHEV or self-charging hybrid, which is essentially just a hybrid, um, you know, twenty-year-old hybrid with not even a slightly bigger battery. It's just the 
they just took, took a plug away because there's no longer and there used to be an incentive government incentive for uh, plug-in hybrids and since most governments took that away thinking oh yeah well you know this will force people to actually uh, uh, companies to produce pure evs but actually the opposite has happened they just took the plugs away uh, out of the cars which is just terrible so i'm i'm deeply disappointed with uh, with car manufacturers but you know um that's not to be like it's not not a surprise if you think about it, if you're if, I'm trying to be an optimist, but you know the cynical side of the world just churns up um, the, the 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 up the way up uh, for me. Uh, <laughs> I don't disagree with your pessimism, but I do think that market pressures are building such that they will have to make that switch, and they are preparing for it. Uh, they are trying to switch things over, and as you've observed, you know these things take time. You really have to plan these things at least five, more like 10 years ahead. And five to 10 years ago, obviously, the, the, the future was a bit less predictable. It's, uh, yeah. So it's always difficult to make predictions, especially about the future. We're on a good track, but the um, but you you would kind of hope things would have turned up better. Like I'm deeply disappointed in, in companies like Hyundai. Um, you know, the, 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 the limited production of of Hyundai Kona or Kia Niro is just unforgivable. Like it's just the demand is there. So I, I had some people commenting um on on Facebook saying, you know, let's just the market work its way out. And that's just that's just not true. That's just pure bollocks. Um as far as I'm concerned. The um the demand is there. I would if I could go to a Hyundai uh, dealership t- today and drop, say, £5,000 deposit and get my car in even two months, I would have done that. But because I would have to wait over a year um, to to get it or not, not get it at all, because who knows? Uh, that's just that's just unforgettable. Um, like, um, if, you, if you're manufacturing an EV, um, make batteries yourself. It's just, uh, I don't understand. Like, they, they do manufacture their own drivetrains. And battery, essentially, in an EV, I don't want to go into a technical rant again, but the uh, battery in an EV is essentially part of the the drivetrain. It's not, you know, it's not it's not a tank. Battery is a bit more complicated than a, than a, um, than a petrol tank, much more complicated, um, and it's 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 literally a part of the drivetrain. If you can argue, you can actually argue that the um, the the actual electric motor in a in a in an EV is less important than a battery um it's far easier to manufacture one and you know there's so many different uh, architectures and so many different designs um there's loads of videos about it on on youtubes and loads of papers about it if one, one wants to actually educate themselves but not having your own battery manufacturing or even secure battery um you know uh, most of these companies actually buy batteries from lg chem and um and lg chem actually decided to put up the prices and lower the 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 supply um who knows why i don't know maybe they're just struggling themselves there's a big demand they obviously uh, they're obviously the ones that were chosen by the, all these companies um i think i'm not sure about ipace and jaguar but i'm pretty sure um hyundai and kia are using lg chem and you know there there's loads of there's, there's loads of more manufacturers out, out in the world um, I think Tesla has, has went the correct way about it. Uh, they they knew that they have to build their own battery supply, um, and that's just the, that's that's the only correct way about it. Even Nissan, who who's recently sold their own um, EV uh, battery production to a to some other company, and they're sourcing batteries from somebody else, they lower the production uh, yields as well. It's the same reason. It's just I, I just don't understand why uh, this is you know this just does not compute. Um, I don't know if you have any any you know any ideas, but it's just yeah. Well, I don't yeah. disagree with you, uh, and I'm definitely no expert in in this area. But I do have a slightly different perspective, and that is that uh, well, whichever way you look at it, batteries are the bottleneck in terms of technology, in terms of sourcing the raw materials, in terms of the getting the people who have sufficient uh, knowledge and talent to actually work on these things. It's um, really at the leading edge of, of that particular field. 
what you really need to be is a specialist in building advanced batteries that happens to also be able to build cars. And I think that's how Tesla got their formula right, because they focus on the battery first. And then I wouldn't say that the cars themselves were an afterthought, but it was it was really a secondary thing. I mean, they, they have other, or well, Elon has other uh, companies that do other things with, with batteries and charging and um that's the bigger area so i think to expect a traditional car manufacturer to suddenly become an expert in a completely different field is i think it's asking a bit much in the short term so i can see why they have to look elsewhere to get that part of the technology in once you've got the battery in the rest of the car it's um well as you discussed in the previous episode it's relatively speaking vastly simpler much simpler than a, a traditional ice car so the, the battery is the only thing that, that really uh, they, they need the extra expertise for and they don't really have that in-house for the most part and getting the competitive advantage from that well i think that's something that's going to play out and is playing out with with tesla but um, the market's not quite big enough for that to to be the the, the sole force at the moment i think First question I asked her was, "Do you ever think about electric cars?" <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm surprised the major manufacturers are not. I think BMW and um, and VW have invested a lot of money and have, you know, so far just been talking quite a lot about um, EVs because 2020 is supposed to be the the, the year of the EVs. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we're supposed to see affordable EVs, whatever that's supposed to mean, uh, from VW in 2020, which I'm actually quite excited about the um, um, Honda Urban or E-Urban, whatever they call it, you know, the little car that uh, has a very short range. I think it's like 150, 60 miles but it looks very cute. It's not a very, it's not a, you know, it's not a car that you would buy uh, having three kids, but <laughs> unless you just want to buy it for yourself as a sort of, you know, go-kart. Um, but I'm I'm very excited about that car. And there's, there's interestingly, there are companies out there that um, do invest loads of money into uh, battery manufacturing processes, but they're, um, they're not, at least at the moment, they're not car manufacturers. Uh, we have, you know, companies like Samsung, or actually, I think they do manufacture, or LG used to manufacture cars. Um, I'm not sure about Samsung. They probably do, because they manufacture everything. Because um, it's a group of of, of corporations. It's not uh, uh, just sharing the same trademark. It's not, uh, or, or name. Uh, it's not one giant company. Um, uh, Dyson has bought a, um, a car manufacturing, or sorry, a, a battery manufacturing uh, company. Who knows what they're doing? So obviously they're keeping everything under under wraps until it's ready. Um, Apple has its own uh, battery. I don't think they manufacture them, but they have their own people in house who you know specialize in that. So they they know what they're putting in their uh, in their in the tech. And I'm sure the same is true for a couple of other companies that I don't know about. Um, but I haven't heard about a major uh, car manufacturer other than. Uh, Tesla and VW who and BMW actually who've decided to to do anything about it. But anyway, let's 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 um let's uh, let's talk about something a bit more pleasant I should say. Well, actually <laughs> just uh, just to drag that part of the conversation out just a little bit more. First of all, looking at the economics of the situation. So you mentioned companies like Apple and Samsung having their own in-house battery technology even if they're not building them themselves or in the case of Apple. But for them, it makes a lot of sense because they're putting them to phones and other mobile devices that they're selling in the billions. Which car manufacturer is selling cars in the billions right now? It's um, it's a tiny market, for, particularly for the traditional car manufacturers. And of course, that's part of the problem. And it's a chicken and egg. You know, It's going to be tiny until they actually expand it themselves. But it does mean that they've got to put a big investment up front on something that's not going to pay off for many years to come. And yes, they will have to do it, and some are. But I can also see why they're slow to do it, just looking at it 
from the perspective of a, a business trying to you know keep its profits up. So I can see why that's slow, and it, it, it is frustrating, but it is going to be the bottleneck. But turning it around to something a bit more positive, just to pick up on the point you mentioned a moment ago that yeah, 2020 is meant to be the the, the era of the of the EV, and I think it will be, not because of battery technology. I think that's gonna that's gonna be a dependency of you know how it plays out beyond. But 2020, I think, is going to be a golden year because well, we're already seeing decent EVs in reasonable numbers on the secondhand market. So they're, they're filtering down to sort of most everyday people can, can afford one, at least as a second car. So the, the ones on the secondhand market right now are not sufficient for most people for an only car. Obviously, many people do have them as an only car, but for people, say, my uh, position, um, it, it's not been um, sufficient. But the cars on the new market this year, we're starting to see those those much bigger ranges. Um, they're going to be coming onto the market in increasing numbers through this year and into next year. And by the end of next year, we'll start to see that some of those starting to arrive on the second-hand market because there's, there's always a few one-year-old cars coming on the second-hand market. That's uh, enough of a markdown that you get another um, sort of tranche of people able to afford them. I would even say maybe 2021 is going to be the, the real peak because that's when it's going to get down to, to, again, those prices that everyone can afford and also have a, a range that is going to be enough for a great many more people to have as a sole car. I think the the biggest thing we still need to get is the, the bigger cars, uh, which has been the problem for me um, and it's going to be the problem for, for anyone with a, you know, not a small family shall we say so i think it's 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 a problem like it's it's there are bigger cars like tesla model s and x um there, but they're obviously out of your price range exactly exactly so i'm talking about you know everyday prices i mean they're still going to be expensive but um i mean the thing i found when i got my um 24 kilo hour leaf two years ago was i bought it secondhand it was just under two years old and it was not the most expensive car I bought, but it wasn't the cheapest either. Uh, still cost a lot of money. But I managed to get a good deal on an interest-free um, credit over three years deal. And what I was paying in monthly payments was about the same as I'd previously been paying for diesel on, on my other car. And while they didn't completely go away, because I still use the other car a bit, uh, and obviously do still pay for electricity... It was to to a first approximation almost a free car. Certainly a, a a very good value proposition when you look look at the total cost of ownership, even over two or three years. And I think that um, economy is going to be coming more and more realistic for more and more people, um, in more and more situations. And it's just going to be those bigger cars, you know, the, the current big car, big EV prices. Um, that, that's definitely well out of most people's range for, for many years. But as things like the, the Model Y come out, if it actually follows through, that could actually get down to to everyday range. And more importantly, that's going to spur the, that market for other manufacturers to say, actually, we've got to do this as well. Again, that may take more years because they're so slow, but hopefully at this point, they do have other alternatives waiting in the wings and we'll be able to roll them out a little bit faster than they have done i the the, the optimist in me hopes because obviously uh things like audi e-tron and jaguar i-pace the first generation cars uh are manufactured by somebody who's you know who, who's never actually manufactured a pure ev on the large scale they had some in 70s and whatever but you know let's not talk about those because that's a completely different technology um and uh and but i do hope that um Let's just say though those cars are actually not selling that well. Like there's a huge demand, but you know they're very expensive, relatively expensive. So they're obviously not selling in as great numbers as for Jaguar, say E-Pace, which is third or fourth of the the price of of I-Pace. Um, um, and you know, frankly, I could because I, when I bought my knee, my Leaf new, it probably cost cost as much as the uh, Jaguar. Uh, e-pace 
or, or, or F pace, whatever the, the SUV thing. Um, so, you know, I, I could have bought that instead, basically. And if you think about uh, Jaguar, Jaguar I-Pace, uh, that costs seven, uh, nearly £70,000. That's, you know, that's like three times the price. Um, um, so, but just going back to this, uh, to uh, battery manufacturing, the, the one of the many reasons why Tesla has done the right thing, and VW has to do the same thing in order to bring the cars uh for the masses, like it is in their mission statement, EV cars in this case, is that the um, when you manufacture the cells yourself, you effectively you're lowering the the price uh, per kilowatt hour massively, and Tesla has already you know reduced the price uh, just immensely um, per kilowatt hour, and and you know that's the only way if you buy, if you're buying it from somebody like LG Chem. Yes, you sign a contract with them for a number of years, but there's always clauses in contract uh, that allow them to put up the prices, which is exactly what they've done. Uh, so I think that this is where there's a difference. And obviously, for an EV, you're manufacturing so much more in terms of the volume and number of cells compared to your laptop or your phone. It's a completely different you know, uh, engineering problem. So relying on somebody who used to manufacture loads of cells for, battery, for, uh, for phones, like LG Chem, is just not exactly the right approach. Actually, speaking of uh, affordable cars and um, Nissan's cars, or or major manufacturers, should I say, um, E Plus actually um, came officially on sale. We can order one online um, starting this week, I think, which is the Nissan Leafs 64 kilowatt hour version. Um, I think the entry price is about £35,000. It can do, in theory, 230 miles, um, which sounds interesting. But if you think about it, Model 3 is supposed to come out in the UK uh, in the next few months. And I'm, I'm sure initially it will be performance, you know, versions that are very expensive. Um, but um, the the sort of the lower end of the um, of Tesla's is going to be about thirty five, thirty six thousand pounds as well. So I wonder how that compares, um, given the fact that Tesla obviously has such a such better, such so much. Um, I don't know how to explain it, but the. Um, and this will tie in with the next thing I'm going to talk about the um, the trips in in a Tesla because you obviously have to stop and charge are so much more pleasant um, than say in an EV, in an EV like the Leaf that I own. Um, in the Leaf, I have to search for the next stop and kind of plan ahead one stop at a time. Usually, I don't like to plan too many stops ahead because you don't know how the dynamic of the uh, the situation is going to turn out. You know, if the charge is going to be blocked, um, if you're going to go further because you've underestimated or overestimated your range and so on. But in a Tesla, you just basically get in and you say, I want to go from here to Oslo in Norway, say, just for a, for the sake of the uh, uh, example. And it will it will know automatically which one of the superchargers are available on the way, where I should stop, you know, if there's any available, because it could be uh, fully booked. Uh, and you just turn up, plug it in, wait, unplug, and carry on. There's no cards to swipe. There's no, you know, apps to have on your phone. None of that rubbish. Um, and if you if you have to buy, if you have to decide between two cars that have a similar range, um, I think Tesla Model Three is slightly bigger, but not massively bigger than than a Leaf. I think it's got a bigger boot. Um, certainly has more power. And it looks much better. Um, it has the ability to uh, do, you know, over a software update, so it will get better over time. And let's not forget about the um, self-driving capability, which they've recently announced as well. Uh, I'm tying in another point on our list <laughs> of subjects uh, very nicely. You know, for the same or similar price, I think Tesla is just a no-brainer. Um, Especially now with Model Model Three, you other people in Europe have uh, reported that 
sometimes they just wait seven days between the time they've ordered the car and the time they've received it because they, they just, you know, they, uh, they put the loads of them on the boat. They flock them into the country. It's sitting somewhere in the, um, in a, in a parking space. And they just, you know, once you've ordered one, uh, and configured it, chances are they have 10 of them sitting somewhere. And then, you know, it's just a time it takes for that car to, to be shipped to where you are. And you, you have it. Whereas um, I had to wait two months for my Nissan Leaf when I ordered it new. Um, there were some delays because of some manufacturing issues and, and all that. They're, they're all manufactured to order, essentially. Uh, whereas what Tesla does is, you know, they've greatly simplifi- simplified the um, uh, the configurations or the number of p- possible configurations and they just manufacture the most typical one. Loads of options are done in software. So you can just, do that, you know, um, after the, uh, the manufacturing has been completed. And I just, I just find, I just find it hard to think about getting a, a leaf at the moment or any other car for that matter. Um, especially if model three enters the, uh, the UK market, like I've mentioned before, I, something like a Hyundai, um, Kona or, um, <clears throat> or a Kia, uh, Eniro would be perfect because they have a, you know, 300 plus mile ranges, but it's just, I don't know. I'm just so unhappy about the, the way the, uh, these manufacturers are treating their customers or potential customers. Um, what do you think about that? Overall, I would agree. That's uh, it's news to me that people are getting their, the model threes more quickly. Now the last I'd heard that there were still, long waiting lists, especially if you're signing up now. So that that's positive. But you know, there have been uh, frequent problems with um, Tesla's supply and their predictions about supply and um, their CEO going off on, on different <laughs> flights of fantasy. Uh, so they have been a bit unpredictable. But when they do execute... They do seem to execute really well. So, yeah, um, even if it's just that going to Tesla is like a um, uh, a token thing to say, you know, I'm not going to give my custom to the manufacturers and I'm not taking this seriously. If enough people do that, then that's going to be a factor that's going to make the rest of the manufacturers listen. Well, we, we can't have a world where there's only one manufacturer making the cars that everyone wants because... That's not going to be sustainable. So we do need everyone else to to also be making decent electric cars. And at the moment, Tesla do seem to be making the best. And they're starting to make them more affordable. Again, that's it's going to take a while for that to really trickle down. But it is happening. Uh, and to say, I'm personally more interested in the Model Y at this point, which doesn't seem to be looking like it's going to be much more expensive than the, the Model 3. It's just going to be a, another wait. Yeah, I think it's just going to be a couple more thousand, uh, well, 10% more, basically, which is, you know, reasonable for a car that, that's slightly bigger and ha- and can seat uh, two or three more people. It essentially has more, I think, another row or, or an option to have an, another row uh, of seats. Right, but that, exactly. So that might be a, a comparatively small exercise, but it's, it's that extra size that passes a certain threshold that suddenly makes it viable for a lot more people. And only perhaps 10% more, I think that's a real game changer. That That's going to reshape the market again, I think, is my prediction. Yeah, I do agree. It's uh, SUVs and cars that size are very popular, um, especially amongst, you know, um, sort of middle-class parents. Even if somebody has one child, they all of a sudden want to have a bigger car, and that um, and something like Model Three might not essentially not necessarily um, hit the uh, the sweet spot. Although I think it's uh, these cars are fine, but you know for some reason people seem to choose bigger cars for one way or, for one reason or another. There's um, a there's a whole other rant we could go on. Maybe we will another time about whether even something like uh, the Leaf is too big for. Smaller families, single people, uh, couples. There are smaller options, but they're not particularly 
um, well received in the market, I think overall. But but maybe we do need to be moving towards a world where we have more options available to us rather than just the single car that we own. But that's definitely a conversation for another time, I think. recently done a trip to New Forest uh, for the Easter weekend or Easter hol- uh, bank holiday. And um, that's about 160 mile uh, trip one way, which is obviously slightly over the uh, the range of, of a 30 kilowatt hour leaf, which in practice can do about 100 miles on a single charge um, without having to stop. And, you know, and I can arrive with about in the warm weather, with about 100 miles uh, done with few miles to spare, which is not usually good enough to go to a next charging station, but it's good enough to go somewhere and ask them to plug into a three pin socket if, if necessary. Um, the, the sort of the area of Southampton and new forest is not exactly rich with the, uh, the charging options. Uh, so I've planned it so that it's, it was just, you know, 40, 50 mile journey, um, which, in an, in a holiday traffic takes about two hours anyway, <laughs> so that's that's kind of that's kind of a limit of my bladder range. You know, I'm peckish after two hours, and I want to have some sort of a snack or just rest. Um, so we went to a lot lovely place um, near Chichester, uh, which is a, a, a camping ground, and they have two rapid chargers. I kid you not, it's a, it's, it's a camping ground, and they have right. two rapid chargers. Uh, both Pollard rapid chargers. So we had, you know, a cake and coffee there. And then we just carried on to, uh, for another 45 minutes to uh, another rapid charger in Holiday Inn because we just wanted to have some so, some bigger food again. And so it was a long trip um, because of the holiday traffic. Uh, we've arrived to um, um, to a nice hotel in uh in, in New Forest. Uh, New Forest is a, is a very lovely area in the UK for those who don't know with uh, free roaming horses and donkeys and all sorts of animals. Um, and uh, it's just, it's a, it's a quite unique area, um, it's, it's, you know, in terms of the, the terrain. And there's a, if you want to go outdoors and walk for miles without having to cross a road, it's a place to go to. Um, and that's essentially what I wanted to do over the, um, the Easter holiday. Uh, we we've asked uh, at the, uh, the the place we were staying at if we can plug in. They didn't have a, a charger, but I, I just asked them if, if I can use the outside socket. And they have quite a few of those sort of maintenance sockets outside. You know the the the, the weatherproof uh, three pin sockets where you plug in your whatever utility. And so we were able to top up that way. Um, and uh, and there is a it turns out that there there is a very nice. Um, hotel in, in New Forest as well with a rapid charger about 17 miles away from where we were staying. So, um, so I took, I took, I took that, um, uh, that trip as well. And uh, we've charged there as well. It seems to be quite popular because it's again, the only rapid charger in, in about 40 mile radius. Um, and we obviously bought a, uh, we stayed there for dinner. Um, so, you know, for those again, who don't know the, in the UK, there's, um, uh, BP has bought a polar uh, polar network, uh, which is a, a, a rapid charge network or charge network, because um, they manufacture chargers for your house and uh, sort of smaller posts as well as the rapid chargers now. And they they seem to be putting them everywhere. It's an amazing you know piece of uh, piece of kit. It looks much nicer than the old school DBT chargers uh, that we used to have at the uh, uh, petrol stations. Um, it charges very fast and they seem to just pop up randomly at businesses. Cause I think the deal is if you're a, if you're a sort of medium sized business, you can approach BP and you can say, okay, well, I have this business. I have so many people, you know, churning through, can I have a rapid charger please? And they, I don't know what the, the business arrangement but from what I've heard on, on, uh, unofficially from people, you, you cover some of the basic costs, but essentially you get it for free. 
So if you have a business that, you know, that, um, that has people coming through, because because it's in, in what BP is doing basically is trying to build up the network. So, um, you know, if they can put these charges everywhere, they will do so because they can then, then claim you are no longer stinky British petroleum, you know, forget about all the instances of sp- spilled oil that we had to fight with. We're now all this, you know, uh, this green and uh, sustainable network of uh, uh, electric car uh, rapid chargers, uh, which I'm all for. Uh, you know, I don't deny it. Um, we we had a lovely time in New Forest, and uh, I don't know what else to to um, to report on that trip other than if you you know if you do have an EV and you're kind of or you have two cars and you're not sure if you should take your EV because the range is such that you, you might not have anywhere to charge, ask the place where you're going to be staying if you can use the uh, the three-pin socket. Um, in our case, from zero to four, which is never the case because you never arrive with completely empty or not very often anyway. Um, it, uh, in theory, it should take about 10 hours to, to charge the four um, using the three-pin socket. But... Um, if you're if you're staying somewhere for holidays and you just want to top up, uh, you know, every day and drive around, asking the hotel to use a, a three pin socket, most of them will say yes. Uh, what's going to happen usually is if you ask at the reception, they'll probably don't know what you're talking about, or they'll think you might you want to top up your twelve volt battery in a car. Uh, but I, I usually what I usually do is have a chat and I ask them, you know, make sure with your uh, clear this with, with your manager. Um, so they usually just come back to to me after an hour or so, and usually the answer is yes. Uh, I had problems with smaller businesses in the past, B and Bs and such, who would flatly deny it for you know health and safety reasons. There was actually a place I stayed in um, a couple of months ago, uh, where the owner of the business told me on upon arrival that no, I cannot run my cable and and charge it, the car from the uh, from the three pin socket. And by the way, you're the only person staying, but no, for health and safety reason, we cannot allow you to plug in, which is just, I just found ridiculous, <laughs> you know, health and safety, but there's nobody else staying around. Um, I d- does not compute. Um, okay. Uh, well, but overall uh, the, the, the trip, the trip very, went very well. And, you know, like I said, I just, I had to stop twice instead of once on the way, but, um, we got there, we got back. And um, you can do this in a in 30 kilowatt hour uh, leaf. So my takeaway from that story is that while the charging infrastructure does have a long way to go, uh, it's, it is getting better and there are other alternate opportunities if you're a little bit creative and it may surprise you. Indeed. Um, I I would have taken completely different routes uh, a couple of years ago if I had to do the same thing. So I would have to, because we didn't take the motorways all the way, because I knew motorways are going to be even worse in, t- in terms of the traffic. So I just took, you know, A roads, which in the UK are usually single carriageways, but sometimes they're, they're dual carriageways as well. So you can, you, you're going still pretty fast. It's not, it's not, uh, you know, slow. You're not, you're not taking B roads. And there was plenty of that as well, uh, connecting in between the uh, the different A roads. But, um, but it was generally pretty fast. Um uh, but I do, I you know, I, the, it was a nice day. It was our holiday, um, so I, I did choose to stop more often than than perhaps I should have. Um, and <laughs> it's odd, it's odd because the um, polar chargers are actually charging less per per kilowatt hour than uh, our home suppliers. So technically, it's actually cheaper to charge um, using those particular chargers than than uh, charging at home. Just obviously, it's free when you when you're in a hotel and they just allow you to plug into the the three pin socket because the ch- chances are that you know the the light in hallways going to uh, consume more power during the day than your car uh, will. But it was it was overall a very very nice trip and it is purely you know doable in a in a in a in a leaf if you don't have any other cars. Um, I always tell people you know just be just just. Just be be a bit more creative about it, and um, it takes a bit more, um, bit more effort. But it, so does going in a in a petrol car. If you're going to you know a place in the middle of of nowhere, you still have to find a petrol station. Uh, yeah, um, I nearly got caught out 
going into Wales last year in my petrol or diesel car. We went much longer than expected between petrol stations and, and nearly ran out, so it does happen. Um, yeah, well, well, Wales is an interesting place when it comes to <laughs> to you know driving. But sorry, gone. I have to just, um, relate my recent story of uh, driving in the Leaf. Went to uh, Folkestone, just not far away. It's just fifty-two miles from here, so. I had to stop at least once to charge. In practice, it's safer to, to stop twice. What I found was there's a, a service station near Folkestone. And I don't know if it's still the case, but it was at that time. Um, just a an ecotricity uh, charger. Uh, and it was free. I wasn't actually charging any money for it, which, as you said, it used to be the case, but uh, two or three years ago, they, they changed so that though you do have to pay uh, they recently changed the way they charge money again recently, but this particular charger was was giving out free electricity. So if you live in that area, then that's that's uh, that could be quite handy. So presumably there are other cases like that. Maybe it's a glitch, or maybe it was deliberate. I don't know, but uh, watch out for them. I, th- I think they they de- uh, when they have problems connecting to the clouds, that they default to the um, the free. And they're very, they're very happy to to default to free mode. Um, and obviously, it kind of just a, a cellular blocker with you. Then yeah, it go it goes in line with <laughs> it goes in line with uh, with their mission statement, which is you know the the sort of eco vegan friendly uh, company. They do want to enable people to drive on renewables. It just makes sense for them to to kind of do that. So thank you, folks, for listening uh, to our episode. And uh, please subscribe. Give us the uh, feedback on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash takeedv or on Twitter at takeedv. And uh, that's it for the episode six. It's uh, goodbye from me and... It's goodbye from him. Bye-bye. Take it.